0: Welcome to the Collective West podcast.
1: This is a podcast dedicated to supporting young people in Melbourne's West.
0: My name is Julia.
1: And I'm Michael. Oh, well, Julia. Yes, Michael. <laughs> we've just completed three interviews with some amazing women. Yes. We have in our lives. What has been, on reflection, some of the things that you've learned from them?
0: Great question, Michael. <laughs> and nice to have you back in the podcast as Thank well. You, I was kind of missing you. <laughs>
1: Feels good. I've missed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was. a bit strange when it was just me.
1: This week, I've been actually just speaking into a fake microphone at home. Oh, so, just to, to you know, yeah. fill that void of, of exactly. speaking into a into a microphone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're back, and and that we're back to round out this mini series. Things that I have. What was the question again?
1: I think on reflection, what's something that you've learnt that I think previous to talking to these three amazing people that you have now a new take on either their experiences what they've done in their careers or have their approach gender equality in their lives because i think we had you know i was listening so i think maybe i have a i i was taking mental notes as well as yeah. physical notes on what they were saying so i think i had a one removed mental image of what these conversations were happening. Yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think each of our guests were all so unique in their own rights. I think one thing that I definitely found coming out of all three episodes is the fact that, you know, you come in and you're doing these International Women's Day interviews and you have a perception of how the interview would go. And, you know, especially this year's topic of Choose to Challenge, I was expecting a conversation of lots of challenges and lots of adversities. But what was really also nice coming out of it is the fact that, you know, upon reflection, everyone was very positive as well. You know, everyone also had a lot of, obviously a lot of success, but they also reflected on these challenges with a positive lens and shared how they've learnt and grown From these challenges and i think that's a really nice thing to reflect on and all three people are of different ages different backgrounds different career pathways all have their challenges in their own way but they all came back saying that you know the community in the west is very supportive and the people around them are very important they had a really positive lens on their their journey and i think that's a really nice thing to take away
1: and do you think that positivity is a good thing or a bad thing in terms of does it mark a shift in the gender relations? Therefore, they can be more positive and upbeat about it or is it a positivity that they have to take on because things have gotten worse?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's... I don't know if I have an exact answer for that. I think it's a genuine positivity and I don't think it's necessarily... They have to feel positive because we're women and we're in, a, you know, a leadership role, or you know, we're of an Asian Australian background, or we're going for politics or whatever. Therefore, we need to be having a positive lens. I think it's a genuine realization that although there's a lot of shit bias <laughs> out there and a lot of adversities against women, that one way of tackling it is to remain positive and to see it from a different angle.
1: Is there anything that from that learning that you've changed? In this short time, <laughs> that you've had these podcasts with them. This is not scripted, by the way. I'm asking Julia these questions on the spot, so she's forced to answer them on, on the, spot. the
0: fly. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think at the uh, you know at the end of every episode, I kind of reflect back on what we talk about, and I think you know as an example with real when she talks about challenging the language, I took that back to the team, and we were talking about it and how true it is. You know how often and as you know, mind you, my company is made up of. A lot of women, you know, (laughs) in fact, there's like only two men (laughs) against everyone else. And we always, we we reflected on that and we were like, oh yeah, you know, the amount of time where people hang up on the phone or say, hey darling, or, Mm -hmm. you know, hi sweetheart, thanks very much. And and those kind of comments people say offhand without realising what kind of impact it has.
1: Is it usually men? Yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah, 90% of the time. And this was literally what we were talking about. Like, it happens so often. And, you know, how were we feeling about it, you know? And and most of us were kind of like, oh, I actually didn't even think about it. Or some of us were like, oh, actually, now that we're talking about it, it is actually quite uncomfortable that this older white man say thanks darling to me at the end of every episode in particular with real like you know it makes me think and i've become more subconscious of what i'm saying to other people as well goes both ways it's not just men saying things to women but it's like what am i saying to other women you know even in speech kind of settings, it's like I'm constantly trying to remind myself it's not ladies and gentlemen, it's mm. good evening everyone or good morning everyone, you know, just being really respectful and really mindful of those things. That's just probably one learning, there's plenty.
1: I think I took the same thing from the piece around language and how that how those small things, as has Real put it, really accumulate into bigger things and those big changes actually happen and start with the small changes, which is the changes in language. The other thing that I really liked from... Real's podcast and it's in my mind because I listened to it on the way here is when you asked how do you overcome adversity or how do you overcome doubts or fear and Real said by tapping into the sisterhood and mm-hmm. then also giving the example that she in her role as Western Chance's CEO which is a very senior position of leadership never felt lonely because yeah. she always surrounded herself with great people whether that's her sister that she mentioned or other CEOs or other male feminists that she had in her life so that's something that I've been reflecting on a lot
0: yeah actually that's a really really good point because I think I was quite surprised by that comment as well when you know it was brought up in the, the podcast because I feel like you and I have spoken about this feeling of isolation in our roles at some point in our career and it was really nice for her to then say no actually I've been a CEO of Western Chances for 11 years and I've never felt lonely. And then you're like, okay, well, if you're not feeling lonely, what are you doing? (laughs) Can you share the secret with us? Because I want to make sure I'm doing the same thing because that's amazing to be in that position and not feel lonely. Because yeah, like you and I have, and I certainly feel that quite often running my own business. And the fact that she talks about, yeah, tapping into her sisterhood is really important. And, you know, I obviously had a really challenging week this week as well with business. And upon reflection, I did, I I went home and messaged my sister (laughs) quite literally, not my sisterhood, but like my literal sister. And I was like, said, hey, I just need to rant to you about some stuff that she had no idea about because she doesn't work in my field. But it was really nice to kind of just like have a chat with someone, you know, about it and, and know that there's support. And then bless her, she told my mom and then my mom called and checked in as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think another thing with Real's podcast is, although you reach senior positions of leadership or you are at an older age, you never stop having mentors is what I got out of that. And you should never stop surrounding yourself with good people because no person is an, is an island. You need other people supporting you. And I always thought that I'd get to a point of my career where I would never feel any doubt and I would never face any adversity or this imposter syndrome just wouldn't exist anymore. Now I kind of know that's just not gonna happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> just the reality of,
1: it's, you're always going to feel some level of doubt and some level of feeling like an imposter even when objectively on paper other people look at you and you present or you have a role that indicates that you have no doubt yeah and you have no fear so i think real just uncovering that reality for me almost gave me a sense of relief mm. that okay, if I'm feeling this, I kind of just have to get used to it, but also at the same time, it's a normal feeling. and actually means I'm human.
0: I wanna go back to the idea of this whole, I guess three episode that we've done around this positive mindset kind of thing. Cause something else that I learned about Rihanna's episode is her challenge, which is to have faith over fear. And I think that's a really nice touch point. You know, she spoke a lot about growing up, obviously in Melbourne's West, being um, Asian Australian and feeling lost as a young person. And I find it really fascinating because for me, a lot of people look at me and they go, oh, you know, you, you've you got everything kind of worked out because I've been in one kind of, I guess, industry growing up, fell into it and then now I'm here. But it was nice to have t- a chat to someone like Rihanna who was like, man, I was lost uh, as a young person and had, having to navigate that. And she kind of saw that with a lens of like, as long as I have faith in, in who I am and, and where I want to be, I'll be able to overcome this sense of fear that, you know, I'm confused or, you know, I don't know where I wanna be and it's okay. So I think it's really nice to see that women of all ages and, and Rihanna's obviously young and emerging in her line of study and, and line of work to be able to have that kind of lens on her self is really incredible.
1: That's a level of self-awareness I don't think I possessed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you do.
1: Well, I think I do. Or maybe it's, it's, it's developing now, but to have it at kind of that age. Yeah is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. And I think that's hopefully, you know, for those who are listening to our podcast, they can take that away as well because I feel like the world around us is just getting more and more complicated <laughs> compared to when we were in, you know, school and everything like that. And to be able to kind of catch on to these mindsets early is, is only going to benefit you in the long run.
1: Picking up on the point of having faith over fear, I always like to say that it's easier to move towards something than it is to run away from something. Mm and applying that faith over fear mantra to, to my life. And it's summarized in such a, a great way, literally like three words. But I've put, tried to apply that to my life and looking at other people around me, you know, you often hear people that want to leave a job because they hate it or they want to leave this place or move to another place because they're afraid of being stuck mm-hmm. or they leave relationships because they have a fear of abandonment or they leave relationships because they don't want to get hurt first. So all those decisions are based off fear of a place of scarcity, of a place that's not really from love or faith, as Rihanna put it. And I've started to really try to have a mindset shift of, okay, if I don't like this situation, how can I act from a place of love instead of fear and say, I'm leaving this job to actually pursue my passion. So I'm running towards a passion rather than running away from a bad job. It's just a a good mindset shift that I've tried to apply, not just from that podcast, because that was only last week, but I think when Rihanna said that, that really triggered a reflection in my own mind about some of the actions that I've taken and also some of the actions that I've witnessed other people take as well.
0: I I feel like there's been plenty of times where I've kind of reflected back on the challenges of JT and especially in this month as well, where I've said to Victor, you know, man, it would be easier if it was just me. (laughs) You know, it would be like, it, it would be easier if it was just me. Seven years ago, doing whatever I was doing and not scaling and growing the company to where it is now. And then there's always, you know, Victor, I guess this is kind of reflecting on, on the sisterhood thing, you know, in many ways, Victor's kind of my sisterhood. Cause he's, he's the one beside me all the time. And he was kind of like talking me through it and kind of going, you know, you know, this is why we're, we're in what we're doing now. And this is what the plans that we've put in place and, you know, changes has to happen. Challenges will always come up. And right now you are, concern and you're nervous about things and hence why you're responding to it as like i want to give up (laughs) you know whereas you've gone through it multiple times you just got to have faith make sure that you remember your passion and continue to push forward and so i think that's i feel like i'm personally in that kind of middle ground at the moment of like limboing between fear and faith but it's really nice to hear from you and and obviously through your experience of witnessing others where they've really focused on their faith or focused on their passion and not letting their fear kind of step
1: in the way. So you felt like giving up?
0: Yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> I could have a logbook at this rate. <laughs> you yeah, know, plenty of time, yeah. You know, there's, there's moments where you're like, for sure, you look around and you're like, this is really hard work. I'm tired and it would be easier <laughs> if I could just manage my own pace of work instead of trying to manage a much higher volume of work. Every time I have this rant in my, whether it's to Victor or to my family, they'll always keep bringing me back to like, why were you doing it in the first place? You know, obviously I'm passionate about events, etc., And that there's a reason why I'm in the work that I'm doing, you know, and the reason why I'm, I'm growing the company. But just sometimes you just need to be reminded, even when there's a lot of challenges in the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said it, going back to your why is really, really powerful. There's another great quote by Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, where I believe he says, well, he says, he refers to men i think being himself but it's a person that knows their why can withstand any how, which i think is really powerful and i always when i feel that burnt out which i same with me this week felt like why am i like i actually questioned why am i doing this and then went back to examining my motivations and my values and reconnecting with yeah why why am i actually doing this and trying to connect my daily activities which is the how to that why still felt stressed, still felt anxious, but it gave a sense of relief that this is not not just all for nothing. I'm I'm not just doing a bunch of random acts that seem great in the moment, but when you step back, it's like, well, what has this added up to? And I always go back to thinking to the long-term, if I were on my deathbed and I looked back on my life right now, would I be happy with what I've done? And most of the time it's, yeah, I'd be really happy with what I've done because I've been able to work with amazing people, have a job that creates meaningful impact in my local community, but also have the freedom to do stuff like this podcast and the freedom to take on really interesting projects and work mm-hmm. with really interesting people. And that's what I need to come back to. And that provides a bit of relief, but the other side of that is sometimes you just need a break. You just need time off. Yeah. You just need to stop.
0: <laughs> you need to focus on other things like a podcast. Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this podcast for me, Almost Functions has a bit of therapy Yeah. in some ways. Yeah. You, how often do you sit here with someone and talk for an hour, uninterrupted, Mm -hmm. with no phone, nothing, with the sole purpose of actually expressing yourself and creating an impact for the wider community.
0: Not very. Not very often, (laughs) right?
1: I I don't think I do it at all besides this podcast. Yeah. So it's not so much that this is an extension of my job. I almost feel like this is an a creative outlet Mm. that I have because this is probably one of the most creative things I've ever done. And yes, I look at the metrics of what we see on anchor and how many people give feedback to us about this impact of their podcast. But for me personally, the fact that I just get to do this is in and of itself a win and anything extra such as broader recognition, funding, getting sponsors or whatever, having special guests, that's just all kind of a bonus. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I could look back on this in 10, 20 years and this moment in our lives mm. that we've captured through 2020, which was a bloody crazy year for both <laughs> of us, and 2021, yes. yeah. like w- we will now never forget it because we've got a recorded memory of it. So I always look back and think, yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome to listen to this, yeah. even 10, 20, 30 years down the line.
0: Definitely. Even
1: to get my kids to listen to this, which they probably won't. but
0: I know. I was actually thinking about my niece because I obviously have a little very smart cookie niece. And I was like... This is, I kind of feel like in many ways, we're kind of doing this for her generation, you know, young kids growing up who may be lost, like what Rihanna was saying, but having the ability, a sounding board to fall back on and, and learn early on is, is a great avenue. And so I completely agree with what you said. Of course, we would always want some sponsors. As
1: of well, course, yeah. So you if know. you are listening to this and you <laughs> want to give this, this podcast a sponsor, feel free to reach out. Yes. But to shift back to International Women's Day, I think this day, in fact, this whole month, I think has been foreshadowed, unfortunately, by really sad, tragic events that occurred in our, probably the most powerful institution that we have in Australia, which is our parliament yeah, with our politicians. And there's been alleged cases of sexual assault of previous survivors coming out and speaking to their lived experiences, as well as historical rape allegations against the, one of the most powerful politicians in our system, which is the attorney general. I guess, what impact has that had on you leading up to this day?
0: Where do I begin? (laughs) Like, obviously I think I've spoken in in one of the earlier episodes as well. Like I follow a few key people who are advocating for women's rights and violence against women and all of that kind of stuff. So I do follow these things and it's disappointing because you know what, it happens a lot and it happens quite frequently. And it's a shame to definitely see it happen at such a, like you said, the, a very powerful position. But what's worse is the denial that people are, are kind of jumping in and going and always putting it back on the women. Like it's victim blaming and it's really disappointing to see. And I'm obviously in no position of power or anything to make any kind of comment on it. But I just think that it would be really nice for once for people to kind of care about the people who are actually the victim before jumping in and looking at the perspective of these high powerful players because at the end of the day, it, whether a woman is being raped off the street because she was drunk or, you know, she's in a, a parliament house working or she's in any other kind of corporate institution, it's still a woman being raped and that's that's the core of it. You know, that's, that's actually a crime, not where she is, how it was done or why she was there and, and who by. Problem is that every time it lands with someone of power, gets blown up into a situation where it's focused on them more so than the actual victim. And that's the part where I'm really frustrated about.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing that really disappointed me is obviously what you said, I agree with hundred percent. It happens so often and it's often not reported or the victims themselves are blamed for it. But what this signified for me was like, parliament is supposed to be the role model. In many ways they are supposed to be leading the change and in some ways instituting the change and i think the response that we've had and the handling of it has been pretty abysmal it kind of reveals where Australia is at at the moment and in some ways we've taken a lot of steps and in many other ways we've taken a lot of steps backwards i've spoken to a few colleagues and you know they were angry they were upset but the feeling that came over them was just they were tired of this yeah yeah it was just so, like yeah was so almost, am I. Just like, i'm <laughs> i like, just so tired <laughs> you're
0: like yeah the fact that it's yeah blown up so much and at the same time i'm not surprised as it sounds horrible but i'm actually really not surprised that it has happened and if it's not happening right now some of these cases were the, what the the most frequent case that was announced was two years ago wasn't that 2019 i think, so. I think yeah. when they went into parliament late or whatever and then obviously the older cases were revealed but i'm glad that people are, are stepping out and putting some light on it and calling for change and calling for a, a response that's not being blown up by media and denial
1: god this took a depressing turn
0: i know we were we were going with <laughs> yeah. a really positive angle
1: <laughs> it started good and it shrank grim after a while <laughs>
0: But just bringing it back to being positive because I think one thing is obviously the last couple of episodes I've had the chance to interview some fantastic women. But I really want to talk about your angle on the whole situation because I feel like being a man, you know, naturally we thought it was appropriate that I would take the lead on the interviews given it's International Women's Day or International Women's Day month as we want to call it. But really, Michael, you're an ally. You're, you're a true feminist. You've always been very supportive and very conscious of these things. What have you learnt over the last month? Um, and if there's anything that you wanted to share with us?
1: I think in the past... I think I always felt uncomfortable with the label feminist, because to me, it felt more like common sense. It's like, I don't call, go around calling myself anti-racist. It's just like, just why be racist at all kind yeah. of thing. And there's a couple of dynamics that I think happen with, with men in particular, is that I think when women identify themselves as feminist, it's almost like a rolling of the eyes among the population. But when men do it, they're applauded for it. Kind of just reveals either the narrative or the dynamics of gender equality. And you kind of saw this in the prime minister's response where firstly he dismissed the claims made by the former liberal staffer. Then he went home and he had to talk to his wife about, think about if it was one of your daughters who was in that situation, what would you do? And it was then he could only see the humanity of this person, of this young woman, when she was made in relation to her relationship with men as a daughter or a sister or whatever it might be. But I also think that the bar for men to be feminists is quite low compared to the bar that women have to have to be feminists. They're not the same in my eyes. Like Men are just applauded for, for just not being sexist as being a feminist, which is, which is that's not what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why I felt uncomfortable with it. Yes. Because I personally felt that while I've almost taken this Hippocratic oath of do no harm, I would say that I haven't actively advocated for gender equality like in any, I don't think I would have in any meaningful way. But for me, it's just it's just kind of like common sense. Yeah. I don't know. Does yeah, that yeah. make sense?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying because it's like, yeah, I get what you mean in terms of like suddenly, yeah, the the name or the label of being a feminist on men is of a different expectation to women. Because in ma- many ways, you feel like being female, you're like, I have to do this because I'm female, you know? Whereas for men, it's like, yeah, as long as I'm not sexually harassing anyone, it's okay. Like, that's that's what I've kind of taken on.
1: Yeah. And it's you can see that in how it also plays out in like parenting roles where men are applauded simply for spending time with their child. Yes. And I'm I see, rolling I my eyes. see the eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They're just applauded for spending a Saturday yes. with their kids. Yep. Oh, they're such a great father, et cetera, et cetera. Where women historically and still statistically take on the majority of the caring responsibility. And some women, when they take time out from work to take on the caring responsibilities, are either derided for it or... They're called lazy because they don't want to go back to work. But then when men do it, they're applauded for it again. So I haven't really reconciled this in any meaningful way, but it's just I see the contradiction between the burden that men have to take on or the bar that men have to qualify to be feminists is so much lower than what women have to take on. For a lot of men, it's just like the do no harm principle and then they're just categorized as feminists. Yeah where with women, they have to advocate for systemic change and be really vocal and forceful yeah. and advocate for what their rights should be. And
0: it's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's actually an issue for women. like Yeah. <laughs> and we have to work twice as hard. Yeah, so
1: this is the part where I still have trouble reconciling those definitions or those labels because I think it shouldn't be that. And almost like true... Equality is when it disappears altogether. Like we we no longer need, have a need for feminism in some ways because we've achieved so much systemic change that women aren't discriminated in so many different domains of their life, whether that is the caring responsibilities that they take on, the household duties, the gender pay gap, whatever it is.
0: You kind of want like my niece who's 10 to grow up. To never know what it is. To be like, what, I can play sports and I can, you know, take time off work if I want to take time off work or my husband will be at home and be the one looking after the kids and that's normal and you don't have to question that or think twice about it. Yeah, Mm. totally.
1: Like in my job, in my day-to-day job, it's all about creating impact in the West Mm. and I have to push for a lot of different things in many different domains for things to happen and I almost want to create a reality for the next generation of young people that they never have to face the realities that I face, or they don't even understand the challenges that existed beforehand because it's changed so much. Yeah. Just, it just doesn't exist anymore. Like, my role is redundant. Yeah. Like, they don't need me anymore because yeah. I've achieved the change. And done, Like it's, the systemic barriers are gone,
0: and someone's going to pull out that book in the library and go, "Remember this time. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's happened." But really, you don't have to think about it anymore. I, I yeah, that's I the agree. ultimate vision
1: I have. Yes, whether it's of impact course. in the West or or, mm. or gender relations or equality, that's what I see as the ultimate change.
0: Obviously, that's a very big goal, but it's really interesting to see, especially coming from an. Asian background as well you know where um, families my family anyway are, are from vietnam coming to australia and seeing them kind of adapt and then watching my next generation which is in this case my niece and nephew going to learn and adapt as well is really fascinating to see the system around us that's helping that process and the lack of system as well that's that's also causing the issue so uh, it's fascinating i i think the whole I don't want to call it a problem but really it is a problem but yeah and and i think that's why it's so important and that's why we've chosen to really celebrate women for the whole month of march and bring in all these amazing guests who use our platform collective west as a way of sending out these messages and addressing some of these issues so that we hopefully can push for change
1: great way to wrap up